listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. So if you would stand with me, we're going to read from Galatians today. When I finish, I will say, this is the Lord of the Lord, and we invite you to respond by saying, thanks be to God. This is Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 19 through 26. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Here we go. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Doing all right? My name is Samir. I have the honor of being one of your pastors here. I just want to start off by just sharing my gratitude for our elder team that we just have such an awesome team that loves to serve um, and give back to the church and to, and to share the pulpit. Like one of my greatest desires and gifts and, and just passions is to raise up others to, to do what they are called to do and what they are gifted to do. And so sharing the pulpit with them is just a pleasure and a joy. And it's what we're about as a church is to raise up uh, all believers um, and people to, to be all that God's called them to be. Um, before I pray and go into the service, uh, to the sermon this morning, I just want to share that my heart is heavy this morning, just, just to be real with y'all. I know I'm, it's not hard for me to hide that because I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve a lot. But uh, if you've been keeping up, just what's going on in Israel, um, it's, a, yeah, it's a hard thing for me and my family just because I'm Palestinian. Uh, my family's from that area. Um, and... Every time, because this is not a new thing, this has been going on for a while, but every time something like this is, is heightened, uh, my heart just gets really sad. Um, and so my heart is heavy this morning in light of that, and I want to pray for that scenario and what's going on there before we get started. Um, but I, not only is my heart sad, but I sense that God's heart is sad. Jesus is in pain. Like Jesus was a, was a Palestinian Jew. Um, and just what's going on there is just is hard. Um, and it just reflects the, the nature of humanity, the brokenness, and, and a lot of what we just read too, just the, the nature of sin in this world, of how humans tend to just destroy each other and destroy things, and how sad and, and, and hard that is. I know living in America, we don't feel or see and sense that tension on a daily basis or see wars around us like physically, but this is a lot of the world. It is, it is that. 
and to be grateful that we can come together in a setting like this to proclaim God's word, to read the scriptures where in other countries just having a Bible will get you killed. Um, so a sense of prayer to, to pray for what's happening there, to pray for the brokenness of humanity and to have gratitude for what God is doing uh, in allowing us to do this right now in this moment and for our, our daily life to, to have. So let me pray uh, for that before I jump in. I'm just going to go on my knees. Lord, we are saddened with you. Our heart breaks for the sin nature of humanity, for the brokenness of humanity, for the hatred that humanity has towards each other and sometimes even towards you. Help us to have hearts that break for what break yours. God, we pray for the Palestinians, we pray for the Israelis, Lord. We pray for all the people in those areas, Lord, that are being conflicted on each side. God, I pray for your presence to be with them. I pray for dreams and visions of you, Jesus, to be approaching and, and coming near to them, Lord Jesus, in this moment right now. Because the greatest thing that they can ever encounter or know is you, Jesus. The one thing that is hindering and dividing this war is the lack of your presence. We pray for your presence, Lord. We pray for you to be with those people that are in the war, in the midst, Lord. Even my personal family that are around and close. We know there are believers there that love you deeply and that desire peace. Will you come, Lord? In the midst of this pain, we just want you to return. We desire for you to come, not because we want things to end, but because we want things to become new again. We want to be revived in you. We want to receive the promises of eternal life that you've promised to us. The, the healing of brokenness, the, the restorative nature of your desires and purpose for humanity to be restored and renewed again. We desire that, Lord, so much. And wars like this remind us of how fragile we are as humans and how much we need your presence, Lord. Lord, as we, as we continue our time together, as we, as we read your scriptures, as we preach your word, Lord, may we receive your word, knowing that, that sometimes these things that are far don't feel personal. But what does it mean for us today and now, how do we then live today and now in accordance and realization of how broken humanity is and how good you are? May we draw near to you as you are pursuing and drawing near to us every single day. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your hope that you bring. We're saddened by the brokenness, but we're grateful that you've given a hope in Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for praying with me. Um, I am. I'm looking forward to Jesus returning. And especially moments like this, it's like, 
just come, Lord. Like, you're, you're so much better than what's going on in this world. Um, I'm, I'm excited, honestly, to continue this series on equipped for depth and restoration in Christ because I think it does really bode well to just what I shared this morning. Last week, we started the second part of that series really talking about the conversation around spiritual gifts and, and the Holy Spirit and, and what does that mean for us. And, and Chris, who I like to call Dr. Waz, his last name is Waz, he did an amazing job of helping us grasp the purpose and intent of the Holy Spirit. Like, why is the Holy Spirit present? What is the purpose of his presence in our lives. And he shared three main things. He said, first of all, it's God's purpose and intent all along to be with his people. And by the Holy Spirit internally coming and being with us in our hearts and in our lives, he is with us everywhere we go for those that believe in Christ as Lord. So his whole intent, his whole journey, his desire was to be with us and by his Holy Spirit he is with us. Second reason was that God desires to release his power through us by way of his spirit and his gifts. That's his desire, to be in us and work through us as his people. And third, the Holy Spirit's intent is always to point and bring glory back to Jesus. Always. And so we're going to continue this topic on spiritual gifts. And really, before we go into the depths of the gifts itself, I want to lay a foundation for us today going deep into, before going deep into the gifts themselves. You see, God, by his spirit, desires to dwell in us, right? We understood that last week, and move powerfully through us by his gifts. Now, first off, I want to give a list of just what these gifts are, because some of us are like, what, what do you mean gifts? What are you talking about? In the scriptures, there are sections in Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, Peter, uh, 1 Peter, and Timothy, where these lists of gifts are given of what these are. And these are the empowerments of God's spirit in us that work through us as gifts. Okay, so I want to make sure you guys understand this is not an exhaustive list. This doesn't mean that these are the only gifts that God gives to his people. But this is the list that they gave us uh, through his scriptures. So I want to read what they are really quickly. I'm not going to go detail all of them yet. We'll go into that later. Administration, if you didn't know, that's a spiritual gift. Talks about that in scripture. Apostleship, discernment, evangelism, exhortation, faith, giving, like being generous as a spiritual gift. Healing, helps, hospitality. If you love to serve people, if you love to have people over, like that's a spiritual gift. Knowledge, like God giving you a knowledge, a word that, that's for somebody specifically that they didn't tell you previously. It's a, it's a miraculous gift. Leadership, mercy, prophecy, serving, speaking in tongues, teaching, which sometimes is also known as shepherding, and wisdom. These are some of the gifts that are in Scripture. These are all amazing gifts of the Spirit that all of us, we should all desire these gifts. They're so important. They're really, really important. But, but all of these gifts are to cultivate an outcome. What's the purpose of these gifts? The point, to point to Jesus and produce something in God's people that is miraculous in and of itself. That's the point of the gift. See, when we get caught up in the gift itself, it can cause pride or envy. 
And so before diving into the gifts and like how do we receive the gift, how do we live out our gifts, how do we live in the gifts that God's called us to walk in, how do we bless others with the gifts God's given us, before we do that, I think it's vital to be rooted in the why behind the gift. Why do we have the gifts that God gives us in the first place? And so I want to give us our big idea for today. The big idea for today is that the greatest gift of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. The greatest gift of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. We just read that passage today. We'll hopefully get into it and you'll have more understanding about what I mean by fruit of the Spirit. See, the fruit of the Spirit is not like the gifts of the Spirit in the sense that the gifts of the Spirit are given, distributed individually to individuals separately. They're just different gifts. Everyone has different gifts. Not everyone has all the gifts. As opposed to what the the fruit of the Spirit is, is given to all believers. All believers. The fruit of the Spirit is given. It's promised to be given. The fruit of the Spirit is our guardrail for the gifts of the Spirit. What does that mean? That, that the foundation of the gifts of the Spirit should always be based on an outcome of the fruit of the Spirit. As in, if I'm acting out in a gift of mercy or, or prophecy, if I'm doing it for my own selfish ambition and not because we desire the fruit of the Spirit to abound, then we're misaligned in what God desires in that moment. So it's our guardrail. It keeps us from becoming like the Corinthian church or some of the Christians who have used and abused the gifts of God for their own gain and glory. So that's why this is an essential section of scripture. So before we dive into the depth in the, in the gifts of the spirit coming in the coming weeks, it is vital for us to base our hearts on the wonderful fruit of the spirit that is produced in and through all of us by God's grace. So why? Why is the fruit of the Spirit the greatest gift that we can receive from God? First off, as we read earlier in in the passage, that we need the Spirit to win the war. We need the Spirit to win the war. What war? I'm going to read it again. I'm going to start in verse 16, what we read earlier, Josh read earlier. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are contrary or constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So Paul is emphasizing that we have a need for the Spirit of God to overcome our sinful desires. There's an ongoing battle within us. I don't know if you knew that. Maybe you've sensed it and you've wondered, what is this? What is going on? There is a battle. And without the Spirit of God, we are powerless against the desires of our flesh. We will easily give up and give to the desires of our flesh constantly as we are seeing really in in reference to wars and, and, and strife and anger and hurt and pain and hatred towards one another in this world. Humanity's nature is to live in this place of strife and evil. That's the nature of humanity. 
That's the flesh nature of our, of our being. Continue verses 19 through 21. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties slash orgies. That's what that means there. And other sins like these. See, without the indwelling of the Spirit, it is impossible to combat this war that's within us. The sinful nature desires those things. Not that we are indwelled in all of them, but there are things within those li- in that list that, that we can, I don't know about you, but I can be like, oh, snap, I remember those moments in my life. Or I see that in the world, or I see the strife and the anger and the hatred around me. This is real. This is a war. See, we don't even have the weapons needed for battle by ourselves. It's like taking a knife to a gunfight if we try to battle this war by ourselves or alone. See, even Paul himself, the apostle, one of the greatest apostles ever, shares this moment in his in, in one of his writings in Romans where he's describing this war that he's feeling. And sharing it to his people. I don't know about you, but when I read, when I read this, it, it, it makes me feel closer to Paul because I can resonate. He says this in Romans 7, 15 through 20. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Well, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. All the doing that he's talking about, what is he talking about? He's essentially saying, I want to do good, but man, my sinful nature is hindering me from doing good. It's disallowing me from wanting to consistently do and be good. He's helping us grasp the reality that we need help. That he needs help. That it's impossible to to live a life of good on our own. The humility of Paul here as he works through his fighting of his flesh is really helpful for me to hear. Because I can read that list of sinful works and be like, oh crap, like this, I'm, I'm in for it. Like it's not happening. But hearing that Paul is also fighting through it and battling through it is helpful because the spirit of God is greater than Satan's sinful temptations and our own desires. Do we believe that the spirit of God, God himself, is greater and stronger than these temptations and this sin and this flesh that we are in war with? 
Because God is stronger. And he has promised to live in us and shape us and transform us to be more like him. Do you understand how crazy that is? How amazing that is. Like the God of the universe chose to live amongst us so that he can live out the fruit of goodness in, his, in our lives through him living it. Like, because we can't do it alone. Do you see the difference that Paul makes in Galatians? He says, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. The works is plural. The fruit is not plural. It's one. What does he mean by that? Because the works of the flesh are man-made. There are many things that we try to do that are falsely pursuing happiness or falsely pursuing the joys of life that continue to fall short over and over. But the fruit of the Spirit is not achieved by working. It's only produced by abiding in Christ. So the war against the flesh can only be won through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Can only be won by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. For those who proclaim Jesus as their Lord, the promise is that you will be indwelled with the Spirit of God so that this war can be won within us. Second reason why this is the greatest gift is that the fruit is the evidence that he is winning. And if he is winning, then we are also winning. The fruit of the Spirit is the evidence that he is winning. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Just as I read this list, imagine just how contrary it is to the, fruit, the works of the flesh. Right? This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit that lives through us, through God. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all attributes that we desire to live by. That even in moments we can possibly do on our own, but really live out in the hardest moments of life is almost impossible. Paul vividly describes the fruit that the Spirit produces in our lives. It's evidence that he is victorious in us, that he is doing something in us that is greater than ourselves. Because in the midst of hard relationships or, or frustrating circumstances or hard people to deal with in church, work, or family, or all around us, in the midst of that moment, these responses don't come naturally. These responses of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that does not come through us naturally. And if it does, I want to sit at your feet and would you teach me? Because in the midst of those hardships, it's almost impossible to live that out on our own. The reality is that the fruit of the Spirit produced in us is miraculous. It's a miracle that God is doing in us. And so when you encounter someone that believes and that lives in the spirit of God and is encountered by a hard moment or a hard person or a hard circumstance and they respond in love, just want you to know that's not them working. That's the spirit of God working in them and through them. You might have experienced that yourself. But this is a miraculous work of God when we live out in the fruit of the spirit. See, these virtues reflect the character of Jesus. 
These virtues reflect the characters of Jesus and they show that the spirit is at work within us. See, I don't know about you, but I've always wondered what it would be like to live and walk around Jesus when he was alive. To sit around him, to to hear his heart, to to, to see and reflect his character. What would it look like? What are the attributes? And I'm going to tell you right now, this is what the attributes are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He lived out the fruit of the Spirit 100% of the time. Always. This is what he was like. This is who he is. He reflects the fruit of the Spirit because he is the fruit. He would be the perfecter of these fruit. I love John 15. We read, we've done this passage before together, but Jesus is telling us when it comes to this fruit in John 15, 4 through 5, he says this, remain in me. And I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. You can't. Just like I'm going to say, you can't produce this fruit on your own. Jesus is the perfecter of this fruit. We need him to work the fruit in our lives. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains or abides in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing. You can do nothing without me. Reminds me of a really well-trained dog, right, where where the dog is told to sit, and he's really well-trained, and he's told to sit and to not move. And then a rabbit just runs right by the dog, and the dog is disciplined enough to sit there and not run after that rabbit. Do you understand how hard it is for a dog to not want to run after that rabbit? And the question to, to, to the scenario is, why would the dog not run after the rabbit? Everything in its instinct is to go. And if we recognize that as we look at the dog in the moment, the dog is 100% fixed on his master. His eyes are centered on the master that is telling him to sit. He's fixated on his master so that he does not chase after the rabbit. He doesn't even see the rabbit. He might sense the rabbit. He might, he might see in the peripherals, but he's, his eyes are fixed and centered on his master. You see, as we fixate our eyes on Jesus and the spirit of God indwelling in us, this is where his fruit is produced in and through us. Our eyes fixed on our master. Our eyes fixed on Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that he promised to work through us. See, isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy how Satan has advertised the works of the flesh? Isn't it crazy how, how Satan has advertised the works of the flesh as pleasurable and good for you? And it makes you happy. It makes you feel good. Because in reality, it might make you feel good for just a moment, But the reality is the fruit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, is an abundance of joy and an abundance of all the fruit that he promises. And so the reality is that this this flesh that, 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 that Satan promises is a cheap replacement of God's fruit, God's goodness in our lives. It's a cheap replacement. It doesn't fulfill. And it doesn't love others around us well. It actually harms those around us. 
Isn't it sad that the deception and our human pride, thinking that we know better, snatches away God's intent and purpose for our lives? See, the fruit of the Spirit is not only evidence of his presence, but it also the means, also the means through which he transforms our hearts and our lives. So the first reason why the fruit of the Spirit is essential and is the greatest gift that he can give us is that we need the Spirit to win the war of our flesh. Second one is the fruit is the evidence that he is winning. So when we see the fruit lived out in our lives in the midst of hardship, this is the proof and the evidence that God is indwelling in us and working in us. And third, that the victory is our restoration and freedom. The victory after we know and God is working in us and through us, we see that the outcome is victory. This is the restoration and freedom we've been seeking and desiring and needing. Verse 24 and 25 says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. You see, through Christ, we have the power to crucify the flesh and its sinful desires. This is our victory Do you wonder, like, why did Paul use the term crucify? He could have just said killed or got rid of, but he used intentionally the word crucify to nail it to the cross, to unite us, his God's people, to Jesus as those who walk with him and knowing that through the crucifixion of our our God, of Jesus, the Son of God, We can walk with him. Walking in step with the spirit leads to our restoration and freedom from the bondage of sin. The power of the cross is in us. By the indwelling of the spirit is what strengthens us. It's miraculous and not the works of our own flesh. It's just not. It's not something we can do in ourselves. It's only possible because Jesus did it first. It's only possible because Jesus crucified it first. And by his spirit, we can now crucify our flesh. You see, that's why we get baptized. That's why there's a baptism that we do, not only in the physical form in the water, but a baptism of the spirit. That's why it's an important symbolism when we get baptized because we are commit, our commitment is to the, to the cross of Jesus, that, that Jesus died and was buried into the water, into the grave, and then he rose from the dead, and when we come up from the water, we are set free and made new in life because of what he's done. And then by that, his promise that he sends his spirit to his people to indwell in us. This is the promise of God. I don't know if where you are in your journey with God, I don't know where you are, if you've been baptized or not, but if you are interested in getting baptized, we actually have baptisms at the end of this month. If you have questions about that or wondering what that means or want to learn more about baptism, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray for you. There's going to be a prayer team at the end of service. You can share that with them. If you want to talk to the Connect Next Steps table, we'd love to talk to you. Or you can come talk to me or any of the elders. We'd love to walk you through the importance of baptism. Baptism. 
It's the connection, it's the, it's the symbolism, it's the saying that what God is doing in me, I want to reflect outward to the world, to, our pe- to God's people and also to the world and commitment and knowing that I can't live this life alone, that my flesh is weak and I know God is strong and I need his spirit in me. I need his spirit in me to live this life the way I'm called and, and are supposed to live in this world. So that not just, not just because I'm called to and supposed to, but actually it's for my good. It's for my good. So if you desire that, we'd love to pray for you and walk you through that and baptize you. In conclusion, the greatest gift of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. All the amazing gifts that the Spirit of God gives is amazing. And it produces great things. But it always needs to point back to the fruit of the Spirit. It needs to always point back to the fact that God is transforming God's people. Always transforming God's people to be more like his son Jesus. That's the intent. That's the purpose. We need the spirit to win the war against our flesh. And the fruit is the evidence that he is indeed winning. He is winning through us and in us. This victory leads to our restoration and freedom from the bondage of sin. Let us continually rely on the Holy Spirit every day, every moment. I know it's not easy. I know sometimes we don't produce the fruit and we're like, oh, he's not in me in this moment. But that's what God's grace is for. He is with you forever. He promises to walk with you. He's not saying be perfect. He's saying lean on me who is perfect. That's what he's saying. May we lean on him every day. Let us continually, continually rely on the Holy Spirit, allowing him to cultivate the fruit within us. And as the fruit is cultivated in us, in the community, we see that in one another and we celebrate it. We recognize, like, man, I see this in you, the way you responded, the way you're loving me in this. This is celebratory. This is something we can rejoice in because the victory of Christ is in you. And we've done that in this community several times. I can say that. It's a joy to see the work of God in our people. It's amazing. It's a, mar- it's a miracle. It's daily, daily miracles that God does in us and through us. So as we do so, as we rely on him, as we depend on him to, to move in us, to transform our hearts, let us experience the abundance of life that Christ promised to us. Amen? So let us remember the crucifixion of Jesus. The reason why this is all possible. The reason why... We have been set free. The reason why the Holy Spirit has now indwelled in us is because Jesus took the cross for us. He shed his blood for us. He died on the cross for us so that we can be set free from our sin forever for all eternity and so that we can be near to Jesus and his Holy Spirit can indwell in us as his perfect child because he is perfect. And so as we take communion together, let us practice nailing our passions and our desires of our sinful nature to his cross. Let us practice this understanding of nailing our sinful passions and desires to the cross of Christ by taking communion together in unity. We're going to take communion together. We're going to do it together. As you get your elements, come back and have a seat. We're going to take it in unity and oneness together as God's people. Um, And so I would love uh, for us to respond to God and to respond to his word that way. But let me pray. And then after I pray, you can go ahead and grab your elements and come back to your seats. And then I'll lead us in communion. God, we thank you. 
We thank you that you sent your spirit. You sent your spirit, God, to indwell in your people, to bring fruit that's only from you, O God, that we cannot muster up ourselves, that we can't do on our own power, but is only from you. So God, we recognize that. We need you. We need your power, God. We know that through your crucifixion, through your death, because the blood that you shed and your body that you broke, is it only possible that now we can have an intimate nearness and relationship with you by your spirit? We recognize that. We are grateful for that. We are grateful that we can come into this building, into this church, openly and freely with no one at the doors persecuting us and telling us not to come in or that they would kill us that we can freely have our word, the word of God with us and read it outward and proclaim you as Lord without persecution. God, it, it says something that your name is the only name in the world where we can go to any country and say it and not be sure if we'll be killed because your name is powerful. Your name changes things. Your name is fighting the war against Satan and the flesh. And God, we are committed to you, Jesus. We are committed to your word. We are committed to you as our Lord and Savior. And as we, as we respond by taking communion, may we remember as your people, as those that are committed to be your children, we remember you in everything we do. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 11011 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at StoryCityGH or online at StoryCityChurch.com. Go and be the church.